Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Holy moly, you guys. I'm so excited. Can you even believe it? Episode three of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I'm so jazzed to be here, you guys, and your support of the last two episodes has been amazing. You've been warming my heart. Thank you so much for tuning in, for sharing part of your day with me. Makes me wicked happy. <laughs> okay, here's the deal, you guys. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about a follow-up for last episode. So last episode, I was telling you a little bit about my journey of how I moved. I left Massachusetts and I moved to California <laughs> where I started my forgiveness journey. And look, guys, I didn't do it alone. I had some help. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we are going to talk about how I met my first conscious, meaning, look, I had had helpers and teachers and spiritual guides before that, but this was my first real, like, conscious recognition of, like, oh, this is a spiritual teacher of mine, right? It would take me a few more years after meeting my spiritual mom, one of my first and great spiritual teachers, to understand that I had had other teachers along the way. I just didn't, I wasn't smart enough yet. <laughs> little, little, uh, little thick-headed, wasn't smart enough yet to recognize the role that they were playing in my life. And uh, I often talk about that. I have a lot of spiritual teachers in my life. We are all teachers of each other, but we definitely have particular people in our life who like, boom, like stand out, like jump off the charts uh, in their helpfulness for our spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, our growth as individuals, right? So um, we're going to talk a little bit about my first big one. And you heard me talk about it on the last episode. And a lot of you might already know who she is. Well, first of all, you might know who I'm talking about because you know me and I've got a big mouth and you know I love her and I talk about her all the time. <laughs> However, some of you just might know who she is not in relation to me um, because she is a best-selling New York Times, New York Times best-selling author. She is an international uh, lecturer. She is a spiritual thought Lita, she is like awesome. <laughs> I say she's the balls. <laughs> and her name is Marianne Williamson. And you saw me on the last episode, you guys, hold up. So for those of you at home, I'm holding up a return to love right now. The original one from back in like 92 where her picture's on the front. And 
Um, Marianne was somebody who I met. So I'm going to, I'll give you a little boop, boop, a little background. And for those of you too, you want to see something that's so cute? Look at this picture of us when we were so young. Oh my God. So you guys at home, I'm holding up a picture, uh, an now infamous picture for me of me and Marianne back when I was like in my twenties and she was in her thirties. It's like crazy. Um, so it's been a long time. So we've known each other a long time. But so if you remember, if you listened to episode two, and if you didn't, if you didn't, go back and check out that sucker, will you? <laughs> uh, go back and check it out because I talked a little bit about um, how I started my forgiveness journey, uh, some of the things that I found helpful, and um, now we're here. And like, look, we have like a wicked long time together, meaning I'm gonna, my plan is to continue to do this podcast for a long time. So there'll be a lot of storytelling because God knows it's like my favorite thing to do is to tell stories, not just my own. I love to tell, obviously, stories just in general because it's a blast. And I also love to hear wicked good stories. And so some of the guests that I'm going to have on the show next week's episode, you guys, oh my God, it's going to be so good. Like I'm so jazzed. My brother from another mother uh, is coming on the show and I'll tell you a little bit about him at the end of this episode. Okay. So whoop, and we're back talking about <laughs> uh, Marion Williamson and how it came to be uh, that she became my teacher. So uh, if you remember in my last episode, I was talking about how I went into that bookstore and then that crazy shit happened where Marianne's book just literally fell off the shelf at my feet. Nobody else in the aisle. That stuff was some divine intervention right there. It was like, mm, let's help this chick. Let's help her to get a grip. Let's send her a little, a little, a uh, little ambassador of love in the form of a book. That book fell at my feet. This book returned to love right here literally fell at my feet. Um, nobody else there. Uh, so that was like a little, what I would call magic, what a lot of people might call a miracle. So in A Course in Miracles, you know, like we call miracles a shift in your mind from fear to love. There has been a shift in your perception, okay? That's the real miracle, changing your mind. As far as like Jesus walking on water, turning water into wine, feeding everybody, you know, with the poor dead fish. <laughs> um, that, that's more like what I would call magic now, right? So there's a lot of magic stuff, and I'm doing air quotes for those of you who know, a lot of magic stuff that happens uh, here in this world, in the illusion, um, as we call it, the dream, of course, of Miracles calls it. Um, but this is some miraculous shit when you can change your mind, right? So when I, when I got her book, um, and I read that sucker and it literally changed my life. And then I started, I became a longtime student of A Course in Miracles. And like I said, A Course in Miracles, I'll hold that book up real quick for those of you who don't know what it is. Just so you get a, a gander at it. It's like a 1,200 page book. Boop, boop. Very powerful. Life changer, too, for me. Found it wicked helpful. <laughs> Continue to find it wicked helpful even after 26 years. So, um, Okay, so here's the thing. So I was digging. I was digging what Miriam was saying. I was picking up what she was putting down in a return to love. And um, I found out that she did weekly lectures, weekly lectures in LA. And unfortunately, I was broke. I was poor. I had a, I had a really cool job at the time. I worked at the largest movie theater at the time in the world. It was an 18 uh, screen cineplex up at Universal City Walk, 
and I was a manager up there. So that is a story for another day. Man, do I have a story about that. So that's a story. I have a bunch of stories about that, but those are stories for another day. So that's where I was working. And like, look, it was cheap money, right? It was, it was not, I was not getting rich off it. I certainly didn't have enough money to buy a car or to do anything. Um, so I was there and I would be like, oh my God, she has these things in like at the Saban Theater or downtown LA or wherever they were happening at the time. And I just really couldn't afford to go or to get there. So I kind of just, from afar, <laughs> from afar, I would just be like, oh, I knew she was out there, and I knew that I wanted to meet her. Like, it was on my bucket list. Her book, no joke, literally changed my life, got me to start thinking in a, in a new way, to looking at myself not as a victim, uh, but I, was a cho I had choices, and that I could choose a different teacher. Like, A Course in Miracles is a pretty uh, in-depth, and I will, um, it's not for the faint of heart, it's pretty intense. I always say this, A Course in Miracles, the message of A Course in Miracles is wicked simple. It's really actually wicked simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And it certainly doesn't mean that it's easy to live it and to apply it. Because we can talk all day about what makes, I'm just going to throw some, what makes somebody a good yogi? What makes somebody a good Christian? What makes somebody, like we can talk about the Bible said this, or this book said that, or did it. It's easy to be a theorist of faith traditions and religion, right? It's in Course in Miracles is not a religion. Let me just get that really fucking clear up front. Not a religion, you guys. It is what I always say. It is like spiritual psychotherapy. That's what I kind of say. It is a tool for helping you to train your mind to be in alignment with love, right? It is a tool to help you to learn how to forgive, uh, to see yourself, your brothers and sisters, and the experience of this world differently, right? So, and that's where this came from. I'm pulling up. If you can't see, <laughs> I'm being a little weirdo here in my closet. I have my stop playing dumb. These are my t-shirts that I make and that I sell because um, it's part of my message and part of what I have learned over being a Course in Miracles student for a really long time about stop playing dumb about who I really am. Stop playing dumb about the choices that I make. Stop playing dumb about how I'm choosing to show up in the world. But ultimately, it means stop playing dumb about the fact that you are a child of God, that you are an extension of love itself. And that's a whole other show that I will entitle Stop Playing Dumb. So we'll dive deeper into that. So to stay on track. Um, so A Course in Miracles, Marianne, like changed my life. And I was like, I was always a kid who, like, um, I used to work for Monster.com, right? Hands up. Anybody know who Monster is? Like when you're searching for a job or whatever. And one of the things that I did for Monster is I went around um, the New England area and I spoke at different schools. And I would go into high schools and I would basically talk to kids about how to get better at knowing themselves. Amen. Right? <laughs> you you got to know yourself. It's one of the most important things that you can do in this lifetime, you guys, is to know yourself. And I mean this on two levels. Know yourself as a child of the divine, right? Know yourself as an extension of love, who you really are. That's wicked important. Know your true identity and purpose. That's wicked important. But also to know yourself and how you show up in the world, like how you learn, how you sabotage, how you get in your own fucking way, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's all really helpful information. So I would go in and I would talk to high school students to help them to learn how they learn, to help them to learn, figure out 
how they actually learn and take in information so they can do better in school, in life, on their tests, in their relationships. Because if you don't know yourself, how can you actually have a relationship with somebody else? You kind of can't, right? So most people learn right? Um, in three different ways or a combination of three different ways. Some people learn through hearing. So somebody could just tell them directions. This is what you do. And they're able to follow the directions just by listening. Okay. Some people learn by seeing. Some people like to see the example written out for them on the board. They like to take notes so they can see their own handwriting so that they get the lesson twice. And some people are kinetic learners. They learn by doing. They like to get their hands on things, right? A lot of times kids who are really great at mechanics and building and shop and architecture and whatever, they're kids like artists. They like to get their hands in the mud. They like to get their hands dirty. They want to have a full body kinetic experience. So what I learned about myself is that I actually learn best with all three. I like to see it, I like to hear it, and I like to do it. I like to apply it. That's how something becomes real for me, right? So knowing that Marianne was doing these lectures, I couldn't wait to get my ass in the room because I knew that that's how I would actually learn more and more and more. I would, be, I would learn better, as I like to say sometimes, right? I would learn better. So I was like, okay, get me in the room. And it took a while. It took a while until eventually I could afford to buy a car. <laughs> and that is a story that I'm going to tell you sometime. So um, I got a car finally. And one of the first things I did with it is drive to a Marion Williamson lecture. So I started to go to her weekly lectures and I would just sit in the audience and be like, holy shit. Like my mind was being blown all the time. And it's not so much that Marianne was saying anything that was radically like new, meaning like, I mean, at that time she was, but I guess what I was saying, not only was it new, I want to take that back a little bit. Not only was some of it, it was definitely new to me. Let me say it that way. It was definitely new to me. But it was the way that she said it. And she talked in a way that my mind could actually understand it. I could see her energy as she moved on the stage. I could see how calm she was at times in that meditative state. It was like full body experience, being able to hear her, to see her, um, to hold her books, like those things, right? And um, so one day when I was at one of the lectures, I found out that she was going to be doing a workshop on relationships at the Agape Church, the Agape Spiritual Center in LA. And I was like, oh, and that's Michael, Dr. Michael Beckwith's place and his wife's Ricky's place. And it's a beautiful, beautiful space. And it's a beautiful space filled with beautiful people. And I was like, I am in, I am going to this workshop on relationships because at the time I'm living in LA and I'm dating a magician. <laughs> Okay, of course I am because I'm living in LA and I'm dating a magician and he was making me a little mental. Now, look, that's what I believed at the time. I now know I'm spiritually mature enough now to know that nobody makes me anything. I was choosing to be mental, but back then I felt like Britain's making me mental and I'm going to go to this thing and I'm going to talk to her like I'm going to, I'm going to whatever, just have the experience and learn something about relationships because um, I need some help. Okay. So I go to the event, I go with my friend Josh, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. So it's just Josh and I, and she's like, yeah, whatever, I'll go. And so she came with me. 
So what always happens at one of Mary Ann's either lectures or workshops or whatever, there's an opportunity for a Q&A portion where you finally get to ask the big question. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. My heart's like pounding in my chest, but I'm like, no, don't be a pussy. Don't wimp out. Like get your ass in line, right? That East Coast, that East Coast like toughness, like I know you're afraid. I know you're nervous, but get up at the mic, you know? So I'm standing up there. I will never forget this. And she still makes fun of me to this day for this. Um, I used to have these jean overalls that I loved. And I had on a little baby pink shirt, <laughs> which is so funny that I was wearing baby pink. But I still do kind of love that color. I had on a baby pink shirt, my jean overalls, and then matching Jack Purcells, which are a line of Converse sneakers, of course, because it's like all I wear are Chucks. Um, so I had a pair of like... Um, Converse sneakers on that were also like baby pink and I'm standing there with my little glasses on <laughs> and I'm standing in line and my heart's just like pounding out of my chest because I'm getting closer and closer to the mic and as I'm getting closer to the mic my mind is formulating my question like what am I going to ask her what am I going to say right and so I go up to the mic when it's my turn and just as I'm about to ask my relationship question about Britain right I put my mouth to the mic and I start to ask and it is literally like something takes over my body. And to this day, I'm like, I think my mother just totally hijacked me. I think, I think my spiritual team or my mom like took over my mouth for a minute. Because when I ask the question, instead of asking, remember, we're at a, we're at a um, relationship workshop. And, you know, A Course in Miracles, remember, is all about peace of God through forgiveness. But you guys, it's not the kind of forgiveness that you and I think of as forgiveness. So the way that most of us are brought up and the way that most of us think about forgiveness is in a really kind of obnoxious, arrogant, condescending way, which is like, I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm going to forgive. I love doing voices. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm going to forgive you. Um, even though you don't deserve it, but I'm going to forgive you because I'm the bigger person. And that is not what A Course in Miracles is saying at all, okay? But so I'm at this point, remember, this is my forgiveness work, okay? Because my mom, remember, had been coming to me in dreams and saying, I have forgiven him, which is the man that killed her. Like, again, if you're popping in at episode three, go back to one and two and listen so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? But so I go up to the mic, I lean in and I say, um, I'm kind of having a problem with this whole forgiveness thing. Like, I kind of don't, I, I, I kind of don't get it or <laughs> whatever. And she's like, and I always do impressions of, of Marianne and she's like, darling, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, she needs a little more, like to be able to help me. It's like, help me to help you kid. Right. So I say to her, uh, I give her a tiny bit of a flash of a background. My mother was murdered when I was 12 by this guy and da, 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 da. And now she's coming to me in dreams and she's saying to me, I have forgiven him and now it's your turn. And I said, and I was obviously so emotional. I had never really, I don't think, talked about it in front of a group of people before. And I said, and I don't know how to do it. Ugh, like, and I just started to cry. And in this moment, this beautiful moment of compassion and kindness and generosity, Marianne says, darling, come up here. And so um, 
I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Because <laughs> now this person who has been changing my life secretly at home through her books is now about, we're now about to have kinetic like contact. We're now about to have, it's about to happen, right? So you guys, in a lot of spiritual traditions, they talk about like being in the room with the people. Being in the room, whether it's in, whether in business, it's being in rooms with the CEOs and the leaders or in spirituality and teachers, being in the room with, with the teachers because there's some sort of kind of psychic uh, transmission that happens. There's, there's a palpable energy. If you believe that we are energy, that we are vibration, that we are all one, just, we're just all these cells and molecules, like we're stardust, we're all made of the same thing. And this is what all the great traditions tell us, that there is no separation, right? That, 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 that we are an extension of the divine, or you can even say we are an extension of the stars themselves, right? The light of the world. And so um, to get into the room with them, because there's, a, there's a, a transmission. And even if we want to think of it as magical, that's fine. You don't have to think, we don't have to think of it as miraculous. But there is some magic that goes on when you actually get your ass in the room. So uh, there I am heading up to the stage and I get on stage. And she has me walk over to her in the middle of the stage and she has the mic. And, and, she, and she goes to give me a hug. And when she hugs me, I just lose it. Because I just don't know. I'm trying to think back. I don't think I had a lot of physical contact from somebody that I would consider like a mom figure at that point in time. I was living in LA. I was still living with Monty, my friend, and there wasn't a lot of momming going on in my life, you know? And that is for sure one of the things that I can say for those of us. Um, if you have never read the book, those of you who lost your moms young, or you lost your mom, it doesn't mean she had to be dead, but if your mom was unavailable because of addiction or mental illness or you were adopted or you just, you know, like meaning you didn't have a mom presence in your life for, for whatever reason, um, then there's a really beautiful book called Motherless Daughters by Hope Edelman. And I think it's a really powerful, another book that changed my life. So I love to shout out resources about books that help me. So you guys listening at home, if, if you, if that was your circumstances and you never read the book or you know somebody who did not get enough mothering as a child, please, 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 I'm telling you, gift them that book. It's a life changer. It's called Motherless Daughters um, and it is um, by Hope Edelman. So um, when I read that book and then I went on to understand it and do a little more research about those of us who grew up without moms when we were younger, one of the things that happened, at least I can speak from my case, is um, I got a lot of toughness from it, but I didn't get enough tenderness. And it's been part of my journey. One of the things that I had to really work on in this lifetime is to um, put my dukes down. And I, I have a really, like, I am really strong. I, you can still say tough, but that's another episode, the difference between strength and toughness. Um, so I am strong. I am tough. Um, but sometimes it did me a disservice. And so um, I needed more tenderness. And so here was this woman, this little, little Mary, it's like, you know, she's short, she's little, she's like a little pixie. That's what I always say. Um, she's a powerful little pixie, but, and she gave me a hug. And when she hugged me, she whispered in my ear, just let me be your mom for a moment. Just let me be your mom. And you guys, like, I can't even tell you, I can't even tell you what that meant to me. The, the, the impact, the impact that that made on me, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It was just like being able to, to in that moment, put down my God. And, and I was just sobbing, just like sobbing, 
mind you, in front of this room of hundreds of people. It was so remarkable. And I was being so vulnerable, which was not normally like me, right? And in that moment, she says, you know, let me just be your mom. And so I, I am just receiving her love. And there is a miracle that is happening just in that moment. Um, she allowed herself to be a conduit. And I swear to God, it was like my mother. It felt like my mother was hugging me. And I often say this. I often say two of the most impactful. There have been very many like powerful moments in my life. And thank God I have this podcast to tell all the stories about them because storytelling is like my favorite thing to do on the planet, if you can't tell. <laughs> so I always say the two of the most big, impactful events that have happened in my life. Number one was losing my mother. Number two was finding Marianne Williamson. And in that moment, it was like, whew, just this incredible experience. So she says that, let me just be your mom for a moment. We have this incredible connection. And then um, she turns to the audience talking about like my experience of, of having violence, right? My, she asked me how my mother died and I shared it with her and Marianne is a listener like nobody's business. You guys, one of the greatest ways that we show love is to pay close attention. I talked about this on another episode. Henry James says, and I felt bad because I didn't give him credit on that last one because I couldn't remember his name at the moment, but I remember it now. Henry James says, try to be the kind of person upon whom nothing is lost. And that means it's a call to pay deep attention in a lot of ways. So in this moment, as I'm sharing, like my, my heart wrenching, my gut wrenching loss and, and, and she, it's palpable. Like you can see how, how much suffering I have in that moment. Um, Marianne turns to the audience and she said, who else here is struggling with, with this kind of a thing? Like you have a murder in your life. And up until that point, I hadn't really um, met anybody else. Well, b besides obviously my own family members and stuff, uh, there was one other person um, and that changed. <laughs> Once I was on that stage, that, that experience changed because over time, I, I often jokingly say I became like a murder magnet and I'll tell you that story another time. But in that moment, she said any of you, and there were like seven people in this room of hundreds of people. And she said, they raised their hands. She said, come down to the stage. And she came down to the stage. And then she did this really powerful thing for my benefit. Um, because my mother was murdered by a man, right? She said, I want all the men in the audience to stand up and basically to repeat after her. And Marianne does these powerful, powerful prayers, you guys. Um, I've seen her do it where she has had a room full of Caucasian Anglo white people um, apologize to um, the African-American brothers and sisters in the room, like our, all of us brothers and sisters. I don't mean by race, but like, but the people in the room who were African-American, um, she had all the white people stand up, find somebody close to them, look at them and to, to apologize, right, for what we've done. Marianne has, is really powerful at leading group experiences that lead to healing. Um, and so in this case, she said, um, I want all the men in the room to apologize to all the women in the room. Not saying that they personally had done it, but on behalf of, right, any kind of violence, any kind of um, unkindness or, you know, whatever, power play, whatever that had happened. And it was so incredible, you guys. And the whole room was bawling. Everybody was like sobbing, except for my friend Josh, <laughs> which 
which is like the best part of the story. Josh was just up there like, whatever, I've heard the dead mother story already, unfazed, like it's so perfect, right? So everybody's having this really powerful moment. A um, few more things happen, and then it's time for me to go sit down. And when I sit down, like everybody is like staring at me like, oh my God, what? just happened between these two women. And I was, you know, I was like 20, maybe 25, I was 25 at the time. And so after the, the, the session ends, people kept turning to me and talking to me and trying to touch me and get my attention. And, and they said, I've been coming to Marianne's lectures for years. I had never seen anything like that. That was the most powerful thing I've ever seen. Who are you? Like, blah, 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 all these different things. And I was just like, I, I'm not going to admit, I was a little like, oh, like a little uncomfy with the attention. Um, because I, I always say to people, nobody believes me, I do have those introverted qualities. And I was just like, oh. But then somebody from Marianne's team came up to me and they said, Marianne would like to talk to you. And so she brought me um, up to the table. She let me cut the line, not going to lie. I felt a little special. <laughs> I got to cut the book signing line to go right up front. And when I got to the front of the table, I like hold, holding my book and I was like, oh, and Marianne just looked up at me and she asked me, she said, who are you? And I said, I'm Karen Kinney. <laughs> She's like, and what do you do? And I said, well, right now, uh, right now I'm a waitress, but um, I really want to be a writer. And she asked me to, to give my information to her assistant. Um, we said goodbye and that was it. And like I left. And like a week or so later, you guys, this is back when we had answering machines. I came home into my apartment. I will never, ever, 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 ever forget this. And I still to this day have the tape, <laughs> the little recording, the tiny little recording tape. I still have it. And I have to find, I have to get a recording thing so I can re-listen to it because I will never forget hitting the play button and hearing her saying like, hi, darling, or hi, Karen, this is Marianne Williamson. And I was like, ah! and I was like jumping. I just made myself cough. <laughs> I was like jumping up and down like a total spaz in my apartment because I couldn't believe my spiritual hero. This woman that had deeply affected me, this woman who had made me feel like transmuted through her, the love of my mother. It was just like other fucking worldly. And she, um, she wanted to meet. And so we ended up getting together and um, at David Kessler's apartment. Now, David Kessler, you guys, if you don't know who David Kessler is and you are going through some grief, let me tell you something about my brother, David Kessler. David Kessler is, to me, one of the most um, um, deep and um, powerful teachers about how to navigate through grief. He did a lot of work on his own. Obviously, he also, um, in her later years, worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was like the eminent, right? The stages of grief. Um, but David and Elizabeth did some really powerful work together. They put out several books. He's just a great, fantastic, kind, beautiful man. Uh, I've learned a lot from him and his work. And so we get to meet at his apartment. That's when I first met David. It was like <laughs> incredible. And, um, and Mary and I sat down and we had a session together a one-to-one -one session. And at that session, she, um, and I love telling this story because I'm telling you, it's like for a kid from Lawrence, right? A kid from Lawrence who had her whole life kind of be thrown 
like off, tra- like just like off track, like the things that happened. Now I will say this, looking back, of course it was all perfectly divinely guided and led, right? But at the time I didn't know that. At the time I just knew that my world had been blown to smithereens and to have these things happen to me, you guys, it was like unheard of for me. It was out like I can't even explain to you. It was literally out of this world. Like I kept leaving my body. Like I would be talking to her and like, boom, that witness consciousness. I would like pop out and I'd be like, holy fuck, I'm sitting on David Kessler's couch with Marianne Williams and like, what is happening right now? Like I just couldn't believe it. So we had this incredible session. And then she said to me, I am leading a trip to Egypt in whatever, a few months, a couple of months um, for two weeks. And I think you should come. And I was like, oh my God. So I'm going to speed it up. I go to Egypt. Um, Our relationship deepens in Egypt. It is the most powerful experience ever. And I'm going to tell the story about Egypt another time. Of course I am. I say that every episode. Are you guys keeping track? I've promised you like 22 other stories. I'll tell the Egypt story another time. But this picture that I showed you in the beginning, right? You can see that she's wearing kind of like this long robe. You can see the top of it is very ornate and it was um, black in person. And then this here was like a whitish or a goldish color. But we were on a boat. This was taken in Egypt. We are on a boat on the Nile where this picture is taken, you guys. Um, And so I went to Egypt with her and that was incredible story for another time. And then after Egypt, a few months later, we traveled to England and Ireland together. And that was unbelievable. Um, Ireland, Egypt, Egypt, when I went to Egypt, um, it was at, if I had been there before, that's all I can say. It was like, it was like a homecoming of sorts. When I went to England and Ireland, there was a, there, there was a mystical experience on a whole other level. It was like so crazy to me um, how I felt while I was there. And again, story for another time. But I will tell you this, Pat. At the end of the England and Ireland trip, we were at a place, it was called the Hill of Tara. And I was down like in the valley of where this was going on. It was this huge green field, right? With these rolling hills. And down in the middle of it, it was a foggy, foggy day, damp and wet as you can imagine. And there's like this obelisk looking kind of like stone thing. And we're all down looking at it, learning the history of it. We had a really cool tour guide, John. Uh, who's no longer with us, a beautiful older man with white hair and little glasses, and he smoked nonstop. And he was so smart. He was so smart. It was crazy. And he knew all this history about like Merlin's Cave. Again, England and Ireland, story for another day. We went to Stonehenge. We went inside Stonehenge. Like we did, oh my God, you guys, these trips were amazing. So anyways, I'm down there looking at the stone. And Marianne was like, had been sitting up on the hill. She was like, like separate from the rest of the group for right now. Otherwise she was normally amongst us. And I just remember looking at the rock and again, hearing that voice, that same voice that I heard in the bookstore. And it said, look up the hill. And so all of a sudden I like looked up at the hill where Marianne was sitting and she was sitting up there. And I remember this day, I remember exactly what she was wearing. She had on jeans, she had on little black boots and she had on this black woolen cape with a hood, right? And it like spread out all around her and she was sitting up on the hill. And when I looked up at her, she was looking down at me and she beckoned me. I'm doing a little wave for those of you at home. She beckoned me like to come up to the hill. 
And like my heart again was like pounding, like, oh my God. <laughs> I was so like, oh, what's going to happen? What's she going to say or whatever? So I went up to the top of the hill and, um, and, and she pat the ground next to her and I sat down next to her and we chatted for a few minutes. And then she just said, how would you like to come work with me? I was like, in my head, I'm like, um, yeah, like, no shit. Yes, of course. I would love that, you know, but I tried to remain very calm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, like, I, I didn't even know what that would look like, blah, 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 blah. So fast forward, because you guys have been listening to me for a long time. So fast forward, I ended up going uh, to live with her and work with her in Montecito in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, and it was some of the most powerful and remarkable moments of my life in a lot of different ways. But here's what I will say firsthand. Um, despite, yeah, like we, another story for another day, like that whole thing, like what that was like, but something that's wicked important that I want you to hear and know, and it's what I started the conversation with when I was talking about, it's not just enough to theorize theorize these books or theorize these traditions and these learnings. Like you have to live them. You have to practically apply them or what's the fucking point, right? We can't just talk about forgiveness. We have to practice it. We can't just talk about loving each other. We have to practice it. We can't just talk about developing a deeper relationship consciously with the divine. You have to practice it, right? Put your money where your mouth is, kid, right? And so when I went to live with Marianne, it was an intensive relationship. And I was there, like in her home. I stayed in the guest house, but I had access to, I mean, I was helping there, like with her daughter, her beautiful daughter. And um, like, etc. I traveled with her on book tours and blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing, you guys. It gave us, and me especially, firsthand experience to see how to live these spiritual principles that we talk about. It wasn't just enough, again, to read it, to do your daily lesson or to do your prayers in the morning. It was like, put this shit into action or shut up, right? And I remember one time, and this is how I'm going to end this episode. I remember one time she and I were having a disagreement and I was 25. You know, when you're that age, you think you know everything and you don't have a really wide perspective. Okay. And so I had done some, I don't remember what I did, but I had done something that she was upset about and she had done something that I was upset about. And so she kind of said, you know, like, you know, we're going to talk or whatever. And then when we got in the room to talk, she said what she had to say. And then I shot something right back. And it was clear that we were kind of like at this stalemate. And she just looked at me and she said, would you like to pray with me? <laughs> I was like, what? Because never in my life, you guys, was prayer part of conflict resolution. <laughs> never. Like, never. It was like talking that went to screaming. It was somebody storming out. It was fucking drama in theatrics. It was never like the recognition that we both actually have the same goal, which is to hear each other and to get back to loving each other. And A Course in Miracles has a beautiful line that talks about, it says, like, so much, and I'm paraphrasing, okay? I don't need the Course in Miracles police coming after me. But the sentiment of it is this. 
when you recognize that your interests are not separate from your brothers and sisters, how you show up in the world and communicate in the world and behave in the world will change. Because you won't be just looking out for numero uno, look out for number one, kid, which is what my dad used to say to me, right, when I was little. Look out for number one, kid, right? No, you start to realize that your salvation lies in your brother and sister, <laughs> that we need each other. And so if our interests aren't separate and we have a conflict, then the best solution is to sit down in a, in, a, in a place, like shine some light on the darkness of what's going on and to hear each other. And sometimes if you hit a stalemate and you bump up against each other, you know you need divine guidance and intervention. And she said, will you sit down and pray with me? Do you want to pray with me? And I said, I w I'm not going to lie. Like I, I was like, uh, okay, because I'd never done that before. And I remember going, I remember exactly where we sat. I remember the little coffee table, the whole thing. And we held hands and we faced each other and she said a prayer and she asked God to help us to perceive each other differently than we were in that moment. It was the most powerful, powerful thing. Obviously, I have never, ever forgotten it. And A Course in Miracles says that prayer is the medium of miracles. Prayer is the medium of miracles. Now, look, you have to remember, like everything that I'm saying, especially when I talk about the course, it's like we have to remember that words are just but like symbols of symbols. Words have all the meaning that we assign to it. So a lot of people think of prayer as asking for something. Like so many people pray, like pray for the relationship, pray for the job, pray for, you know, the healing of the cancer, praying for whatever. And for me, it's never about anymore. Like when I was younger, that's how I prayed. Right. But but as I get older, I realize I stop praying for specific outcomes and I really just pray for the best to happen for all involved. Whatever the best outcome is for everybody's healing and growth, like that's what I want. Um, so in my uh, ability to perceive what is best for everybody, because I'm not on omnipotent, I don't have like, you know, like like a universal view. I often am limited by my own personal view, the ego view. I can't possibly know what's best for everybody in every situation. So we turn to the divine and we ask for help, right? We ask for, we have a willingness to see ourselves, our brothers and sisters and the world, the situation differently. And that's what we did in that moment. And we were able to resolve it. And it was so powerful. And it taught me to just not go through the motions of the book or what the meditation, the, uh, da, da, da right? You get the mojo in the meditation, but then you got to go out and live it. You got to apply this shit because I am a very down to earth spiritual teacher. For me, it's not good unless you're living it. I know a lot of people who talk a talk, especially in the social media land, right? They're trying to present how they are, but I'm always looking for how they really are. And that's why I like to get in the room with the people so I can have my own uh, visceral experience. Is, is this in alignment? Does this feel good? So Marianne really taught me in that moment to take these things that we learn about and to live it, to apply it, because that's how the miracle is going to happen. When we have a willingness to shift our mind from that thought system of fear, conflict, separation, right? Ego, ga, 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 ga. And looking for a resolution where we can all have peace and happiness. Because A Course in Miracles says that your natural inheritance is peace and happiness. And I always say to my, my clients, my spiritual mentoring clients, if you are not feeling peaceful or happy, then we know we have a problem. We know that something has gone off track. So that's just a question I'm going to leave with you viewers, right? How often do you find yourself truly happy and truly peaceful? 
And if that's not more your norm, it doesn't mean you're going to walk around every day like, a, like an idiot with a smile on your face, like pouring, as Marianne says, pouring pink paint over everything and pretending like it's all okay. It's not about that. But if you're not experiencing like a kind of a deep sense of joy and a deep sense of happiness and a deep sense of peace, then we know that Houston, we've got a problem. And that's kind of where I come in with the work that I do. That's my ministry and my mission is to help people to transform their story to the glory, to be able to train their mind to make a different choice. I can choose peace instead of this and to bring them home back to God's love, to bring them home back to the truth of who they are. Stop playing dumb, right? Knowing who you are. And again, we'll go more in depth than that on another episode. So that is the story of how me and my spiritual mom or my spiritual mom and I, for the grandma people, <laughs> met each other. And she's been in my life ever since. And for those of you who don't know, here's what's wicked exciting. Um, she is running for the Democratic nomination of president in 2020. Uh, she made her announcement uh, in January, and I'm just so excited because the conversation that she's going to be bringing to the table about how to have the bottom line be love instead of greed so important. So uh, I'm wicked jazzed about that. And, um, and I know a lot of you are also big fans of hers. And uh, I have never once taken for granted uh, what a blessing it was. And I really believe that, that our relationship, that she is, like, as I say, my spiritual mom, um, that relationship, I have no doubt, was um, the doing of my mom, my mom. Uh, Priscilla, Patty, right? Uh, Scylla. Um, people, my mom's name was Priscilla. She hated it. So everybody called her Patty, except for um, one side of the family where they call her Scylla. So I just did that for whoever might be listening. Um, I always say that um, I didn't get the mom that I wanted. And you can see her right behind me, for those of you at home, on my picture of her, me sitting in her lap as she reads me a book, like my favorite memory of all times, right? Practically. Um, I would say I didn't get the mom that I wanted because I lost her too young when I was 12, but I did get, I did get a spiritual mom that I needed. Uh, and that in itself was miraculous. And, uh, it, it, it's just, um, I, I, I don't take it for granted. You guys, I am a person who is uh, very, very aware of the blessings that have been bestowed upon me. Um, and that blessing of meeting her, it changed the trajectory of my life. Losing my mother changed the trajectory of my life. Finding Marianne changed the trajectory of my life. And it has been a huge part of my journey and it's now a part of the ministry, right? My mission, my ministry, my message, the movement, the work that I do in the world um, is because, you know, these women, right? These women that I have been lucky enough in this lifetime to, um, to have. And so I came through my mom and it's like she was delivered. She delivered me um, to, the, to the other moms and women in my life who took me under their wings uh, in so many ways. So look, if you have um, a mom, uh, a second mom, a woman who's like a mom to you, man, 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 take that time, take that time to acknowledge them. And don't just send a text or pick up the phone and call. Or get in the room with them. You know what I'm saying? Get in the room with them or send them a handwritten letter. It would mean the world to them. It's so important, you guys, that we tell the people we love that we love them while they're still here to hear it. Okay. That's what I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed. I feel like Mr. Rogers sometimes. Should I get a little sweaty, you guys, and we can hang out for story time? I hope something that I shared today was helpful. Um, 
if you um, don't mind, like you can hit me up somewhere on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories and let me know what part of this episode you liked the best or what landed in you, what you found helpful or hopeful. I would love that. I love staying connected. You can head on over. You can find me at Karen Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y, live. Karen Kenny Live. That's my handle. That's my handle. <laughs> you can find me there. Please go to iTunes, subscribe so you can hear the rest of the stories that I've been promising you. And you guys, make sure, um, not make sure when you, let me just finish up. When you go to iTunes, like, subscribe, leave a review. If you're feeling generous, if you're feeling kind of fun, <laughs> you want to say something nice, it would be so wicked helpful because you guys helping me to um, keep the show alive and to spread the love, like it's so important to me. I would love if you would help me to do that. Okay. Now, don't miss next episode. My friend, Jordan David Drains, he is a vegan bodybuilder. He has a story, you guys, that you are not going to believe. We're going to go there. We're going to go deep. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the transformation of his story to his glory. We're going to talk about uh, why we both became vegan and what that was about. We both have deeply personal stories about that, and I just can't wait to share it with you. So I see you. I celebrate you. I appreciate you. I love you. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.